Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, December 10th. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page XXVI, the first paragraph after Dr. Silkworth's letter, beginning the physician who. Um, Today's readers are Amy W. on the 12 Steps, Crystal on the 12 Traditions, and readers of the text, Marita, Marjorie, Paula, and Du. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, December 9th, is 5604. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Amy W. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Amy W., recovering compulsive overeater from California. 12 steps of OA. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Amy W. I will now ask Crystal to read the 12 Traditions. 
Good morning. This is Crystal, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, the 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. First, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Second, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Third, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Fourth, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Fifth, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Sixth, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seventh, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eighth, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Ninth, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Tenth, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleventh, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelfth, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I pass. Thank you, Crystal. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we are resuming our study of the big book on page XVII, the first paragraph after... um, I'm sorry, it's XXVI, first paragraph after Dr. Silkworth's letter, which begins, The Physician Who. Um, 
I will now ask, um, let's see, Marita to begin our reading. Thank you. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Marita, compulsive overeater in Virginia. The physician who, at our request, gave us this letter has been kind enough to enlarge upon his view in another statement which follows. In this statement, he confirms what we who have suffered alcoholic torture must believe, that the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as his mind. It did not satisfy us to be told that we could not control our drinking just because we were maladjusted to life, that we were in full flight from reality, or were outright mental defectives. These things were true to some extent, in fact, to a considerable extent with some of us. But we are sure that our bodies were sickened as well. In our belief, any picture of the alcoholic which leaves out this physical factor is incomplete. Okay, so they're using this time to introduce uh, Dr. Silkworth's second letter, and this paragraph is focusing on the physical aspect of this disease. And uh, when I was first introduced to this concept, it was a relief, the idea that it wasn't just my um, lack of willpower or my um, inability to control myself and my moral corruption that, uh, that I love to guilt trip myself with and to feel shame about, that that, that, that wasn't the only issue and that, in fact, I, I could drop that shaming and guilt and just focus on the fact, the fact that I have a physical allergy and an obsession of the mind, that I've got mental problem with this thing, but I also have a physical reaction. And until I could really get a grip that this was a physical problem, that it was a chemical reaction that my body um, developed this craving when I ingest my trigger foods. That um, it was, until I could until I could come to that understanding and realization, I couldn't stop flipping. I would always pick it back up, thinking, "Well, I can have one." Well, you know, I've been good for for 30 days. I can have I can have what 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 what's 30 calories? One bite, not a problem. But it, it never was one bite. And uh, I knew that from experience, but my mind wouldn't let me hold, it, hold on to it. And uh, this, you know, in three times in this paragraph, it talks about this is that the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as his mind, and that we were sure our bodies were sickened as well. And the last sentence um, any picture of the alcoholic which leaves out the physical factor is incomplete. So I have to hold that in my mind and in my heart that um, I've got a physical problem, not just a mental one, and it's not all about my having a steel grip on my will. Um, it's about my accepting with surrender that this is an illness, and um, I'm always going to be. I'm always going to be a compulsive overeater. I'm never going to be made well, I can be made whole. God can can give me a reprieve, but I can never, ever go back to the food 
uh, without suffering these consequences. Thanks so much for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Marita. Who would like Sarah? to share on this paragraph? I mean, this is Katie. This is Katie G. from Boston. Okay. <laughs> I heard two Katies, I believe. Katie G. and Katie from Boston, and there was someone else. I mean, Eileen, and who was the fourth? Kara. Kara. Okay. Let's start with those four, um, and then I think there may be someone else we'll pick up later. So this is Katie G. from Boston, but there is also, it's Katie G. from Boston and then Katie F., as in Frank. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Katie. Katie, do you go first? Okay. Great. Good morning. It's the doctor's opinion. Yay. It's Katie G from Boston and a recovered compulsive overeater. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I'll be quick. So um, I was so excited when I heard this because, okay, first of all, um, confirms what we who have suffered alcoholic torture, torture, severe pain. Why am I in severe pain? Because for me, since I was a little girl, I have had an abnormal reaction to food. And what is an abnormal reaction? It is odd. It is insane. It is unnatural. And what that means is if you looked at me at pictures from my sixth grade birth, my six-year-old birthday party, there is a vomit pan right next to me. Why? Because when I put specific substances into my body, including for me, flour, sugar, and quantities, it sets up an abnormal reaction. When I first heard like, oh, I have an allergy, I was like, whatever, you know, yeah, maybe my body is abnormal, but I didn't understand the gravity. Like, I I definitely agreed I was in full flight from reality. I lacked harmony with my environment, and I, I never adjusted my desires to the conditions of my life, which is what maladjusted means. Yeah, absolutely. I was maladjusted and in full flight. That was me. I I I was a I am a very low bottom compulsive overeater, but it was so exciting to learn that I have an allergy. That when I put that food in my body, you know, when I um, was out at a birthday party, I was the only one still thinking about the hot fudge sundae when everybody else has moved on. I. I physically did not understand when people were, you know, putting down candy at Halloween and they weren't eating through the whole bag. I didn't understand. I didn't understand going out to meals and not being completely obsessed because I literally, I remember describing to somebody, you know, when I eat certain foods, I get these fire rods in my legs these fire rods, and, and it's an abnormal and odd and insane reaction because what it led me to do in the food when I was at my lowest is I would be binging my brains out and fall asleep and wake up with food chewed in my mouth, and I would go out and eat more. That's odd. That's abnormal, and that's insane. And unfortunately, that's not something that outside diet programs could help me with. And that's not something that my therapist could help me with because she didn't understand the possession, that physical possession um, that led me, once I put that flour, sugar, and quantities for me into my body, that the, that's what happened, that, you know, an, an effect that didn't happen on abnormal people. Like if the doctor told a, nor, a, a normal person, if the doctor told a normal person, look, 
Takeda, you need to stop eating um, cucumbers because you have an abnormal reaction. It's going to make you sick. And it's going to make you not be able to show up to work or for your family and to want to die. Please put it down. Normal people put it down. Me, I put it down for a while. And then I'm like, oh, I'm done. Look at me. I'm thin now. I can wear my thin jeans. Better get up and eat again. And that is the insanity. I have an allergy of my body, which is an abnormal reaction. And then I have this obsession with the mind that thinks food is going to fix it and convinces me that that is so. And I am just so grateful. We are so blessed by this amazing doctor um, and this amazing fellowship that helps us learn this. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie. Katie S.? Good morning. This is Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia, and I'm just uh, I'm excited too that we're in this um, chapter. And you know, I I honestly don't remember if if I ever heard this in my um, let's see. I went to my first meeting in 1975, and I got absent in 1987. So that's 12 years. So in those 12 years. I'm not sure if I ever heard this, but somehow I understood it um, that uh, he confirms that we who have suffered alcoholic torture must believe that the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as his mind. And, you know, my goal when I went on diet was that I would eventually be able to eat my favorite foods again, but just in you know, proper proportions, and that never happened. And I didn't understand that it was never, ever going to happen. That for me, it's like, you know, once you have had cancer, you've had cancer. You can't say, I have not had cancer. Just because you're in remission doesn't mean that you never had it. And that's the way it is for me with my eating disorder, is that, I am a compulsive overeater, a, a low-bottom compulsive overeater, suicidal tendencies, and it doesn't matter how long I've Katie, we lost you. Can you press star one? Okay. Uh, why don't we move on to the next person? And when Katie comes back, we'll return to her. This is Bella. Can I share? Uh, Bella, we had two other people lined up, and I'm, I actually didn't write them down. Can you help me out? The next, be, the next person would be Eileen. That's right. Thank you very much. Eileen, go ahead, please. Thank you. Uh, this is Eileen, a compulsive eater from Bedford, Mass. Oh, this paragraph is so wonderful. Um, it's more. Um, uh, the reason w- why I came into program was because of the abnormality in my mind, not the physical allergy, because I walked in these doors in 1986 weighing 125 pounds, but I knew that I was not normal when it came to food, that I escaped into the food with whatever I was feeling, if I was feeling sad, if I was feeling happy, if I was feeling mad. It's definitely a maladjustment to life, this food addiction. 
But now that I've been abstinent for four years, um, the, the cravings, the obsession have been lifted. Thank you, God. That's all I have to say. And that I'm not escaping into the food anymore. I'm escaping into my feelings. Whatever I feel, I have to feel. Uh, But I had to come to that admittance and acceptance that my body was sickened as well as my mind. It was a physical allergy because whenever I ate that darn sugar or flour, it would make me crave even more. It would make me eat even more. I'm one who knows. I went out after five years and I had a relapse for a month. I regained 10 pounds in one month because I picked up the darn food and it it, it took off like a a roadrunner. But today I'm not there. Today I am not into the physical allergy and the mental obsession. Today I am into recovery. So thanks for listening. I'll pass. Thank you, Eileen. And who was after Eileen? That would be Sarah. Okay, Sarah. We'll have Sarah and then Bella. Crystal. Thank you. Go ahead. Good morning. Good morning, Vision, for you. Thank you, Kathy, for your service. I am so grateful to be in the in the doctor's opinion also. I think it's extremely important, and it is something that um, in our fellowship really isn't um, isn't focused on, and I think it's probably one of the one of the biggest injustices we do to the people that are suffering. But I wanted to focus on um, on the statement. It says in this statement he confirms that we who have suffered alcoholic torture must, and I want to underline the word must, believe that the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as his mind. And um, I just received uh, this week my um, Big Book Dictionary, which is a wonderful little thing to have. Um, and it says there are 123 musts uh, in, in the Big Book. Uh, not, all, not all of them are used as directives. Uh, it seems to me that this is an, a directive. Um, it says, confirms that we who have suffered alcoholic torture, that's a huge statement suffered alcoholic torture. Um, I think anybody that's a real uh, alcoholic or a real compulsive overeater has suffered the torture of being a compulsive overeater. And I do believe that um, that the body is uh, as abnormal as the mind. Uh, the, the hard part is to figure out what the actual foods that we need to abstain from, what the physical allergy is to. Uh, and for me, it's taken uh, some time. Uh, I started in program in 95 at 222, got down to that 160, and then uh, blossomed up to 278 pounds and relapse. And I've now lost about 90 pounds, which um, I am so grateful to my higher power for. And I would like to release more if that's what my higher power's um, direction is. But what I realized today is it's not about the food. Um, it, it truly is about working the steps. And um, I just wanted to add that the last part of the paragraph where it says, but we are sure 
that our bodies were sickened as well. Uh, that surety, that idea of sure, sure means, you know, with that, like basically fact, sure. Uh, so I guess um, what what this is telling me is that um, I have to make the decision, first of all, you know, we're really in the first step, you know, I'm powerless over food and my life is unmanageable and I'm making a decision if I am truly a compulsive overeater and only I can state that and at that point if I've, you know, tried and I can't stop, if I've stopped and I keep starting again, then most probably I am a true compulsive, a real compulsive overeater. And at that point, I get to make a decision of what these food allergies are and abstain from them, and that will allow me to have some sanity and serenity around the food. Um, so I'm just so grateful for, for being where we're at today, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. And we'll move on to Bella. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I am a thankful recover compulsive overeater. Thank you, Katie, for leading this meeting, and thank you very much, uh, who is on the line. Wow, I love this paragraph. It's a paragraph of hope, and for me, it's a paragraph of a beginning of a freedom. It starts from a deposition. So first of all, here I am getting an approved from the science field. There is no uh, question, oh, I am, I am accepting your theory or not. It's from the, the science field. It's approved from a doctor. What is the approval? That it's nothing to do with me. It's I am getting out from my own jail, from the life of blaming and judging me and blaming me all the time. Yes, you are heavy because of you. You are heavy because you don't have the willpower. And, and it's the freedom. It's going out from this circle. That's it. It's nothing to do with me. This is the way God created me, that I have an allergy in the body and obsession in the mind. This is a fact. This is the way God created me. It's nothing to do with me. I didn't choose it. Now, and the program will give me the tools to understand and to accept that this disease can be a gift. And I am choosing to take it as a gift. Yes, my disease is a gift. Why it's a gift? Because this is, I am going to be connected to God. As soon as I take away my responsibility for my disease, I want to be connected to God, to my spiritual way. And this is the beginning to understand that, yes, I can be free. I can live with this, with this disease in, in, with peaceful, to, to, to take out my responsibility, and to give it over to God. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. I want to check in to see if Katie from Virginia is back. Are you back, Katie? Okay. Is there anyone Crystal? else who would like to share? Christina from New York? Yes, Katie from Virginia. Crystal? Monica. Okay, Katie, Crystal. Katie, you're back. Is that right? 
So what happened? Did you hear anything I said? The very beginning. Um, okay. Do you want well, to share I was sort of, well, I was just, all of a sudden, when I was done, <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, I don't think I'm there anymore. So I'm sorry. Um, well, I was just saying that um, that I never learned this. And uh, I don't know when I learned it, but I'm just so grateful that I don't, spend my time trying to be um, a normal person, that I am content with the fact that I will never be able to go to a dinner party and just eat what I'm served, that I have food allergies, um, and I uh, accept the fact that I, my body is quite as abnormal as my mind. And, you know, without this... Um, I, I just can't help but think about all of the diet programs that are out there, and the goal of those diet programs is that you lose the weight and then you get to eat. And that was always my goal, was to be able to eat like normal people, and, you know, that's not my goal today. And the good news is I don't care that that's not my goal. I don't want to try to, you know, I don't want to try the latest um, thing that's out there you know, of sugar products. There's there's a lot of things I've never eaten. There's a lot of things in my house that my kids have that, you know, I've never had, and they will leave it there and forget about it. You know, I throw away more food than ever was thrown away in my house growing up because I ate it with abandon. As Katie G said, you know, if I was at a party, I was thinking about that food way past what everyone else had moved on. And that is how it would be today. Um, you know, I that mental obsession is something that, um, you know, so many times there's people who ask me about my program who aren't even overweight, but they understand that mental obsession. Now, does that mean they're in the room today and they've been asking for, you know, 15 years since I talked to them about it? No. But I do share um, the difference between someone who doesn't know how to eat properly and a compulsive overeater like myself. There is a difference. And I have that mental obsession that no matter how much I eat, I am not satisfied. I don't have, you know, the ability to say, I'm too full, I might get sick. I got sick. I got sick from eating too much countless times. And, you know, that was in public. That was in social events. That doesn't even count the binging I did behind closed doors. So to think that I'm going to wake up one day just because I've been asking for 25 years and be able to all of a sudden eat like normal people, that is insane for me to think that way. But that was my goal. That was my goal for all the years that I dieted was to be able to lose the weight then I would be happy, and then I would be able to eat normal portions. And this is telling me by a doctor that that is never going to happen. And one day at a time, God is showing me and helping me to see that I can have a full and happy and useful life without it, without all that. Thank you, Katie. I heard a few people. From New York? Crystal. Let me, okay, one at a time, please, so I can get your name. Crystal. Leah, Leah, Christina, Monica, Christina, 
Okay, Christina and Monica. Okay, let's take those four. So, Crystal, go ahead. Good morning. This is Crystal, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. It did not satisfy us to be told that we could not control our drinking just because we were maladjusted to life. I was told over and over, Crystal, if you would use a smaller plate when you eat, you wouldn't eat as much. If you would walk to the mailbox every day, use the stairs instead of the elevator. And if you park at the back of a parking lot everywhere you go, this will help you lose weight. And if you brush your teeth after each meal, you won't eat between meals because it makes your teeth feel yucky. What meal? I ate all day long. When the normal drinker feels the effects of alcohol, they stop. When the moderate eater follows the advice I was given by well-meaning people, these behaviors are helpful to them. I have a handicap. I have an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. I am beyond human aid. I have a disease that is not going away. I am dying a compulsive overeater. I'm dying in the food or abstinence. This is my reality. I pass. Thank you, uh, Crystal. Leah, go ahead. Thanks so much for your service, Kathy. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. What a stampede on the line. I think we're all excited that this material is getting uh, taught and developed and shared on this statement. In our belief, any picture of the alcoholic which leaves out this physical factor is incomplete. I don't know about anybody else's experience. I know that this uh, material, the doctor's opinion, was not developed for me um, for years prior to um, my journey in recovery. Um, You know, and the doctor's opinion is the foundation of the whole big book and the whole fellowship. If I don't understand that I have an allergy, an abnormal reaction to certain substances or perhaps eating behaviors and or eating behaviors, um, then I'm not going to understand the absolute necessity that I eliminate those substances prior to embarking on this program of recovery. You know, that, that whole teaching and representation of the program of recovery will be incomplete. I'll be missing a part. I mean, obviously, if you've been hanging out with us for a while, we all know the greater aspect of my disease resides in my mind. There are a lot of people with allergies to food, lobster, tuna, strawberries. They don't have to go to Lobster Anonymous. They don't have an obsession of the mind. But for those of us gathered on the line, those of us who are real compulsive overeater, I must understand that I have an abnormal reaction to specific food substances, and they are individually uh, determined. You know, and the doctor's opinion speculates, um, well, it speculates with alcoholics, they, ha- they have an allergy, an abnormal physical reaction to alcohol. I have an abnormal reaction to specific 
substances and eating behaviors, which most people do not have. Once I put certain substances into my body, it reacts in a way that demands more of the substances. And Dr. Silkworth is going to call this a phenomenon of craving. My very cells demand to be satisfied beyond my ability to control it. Instead of quenching my uh, hunger, these food substances create an overwhelming hunger, and I'm compelled to eat beyond rational consumption. You know, if any amount of these substances go into my body, it's like taking a match and throwing it into a bucket of gasoline. Whoosh! You know, it does not extinguish it. It makes it more ferocious. And I had to understand that, and I had to accept that, and I had to have the willingness to eliminate all of those substances. Because if I did not eliminate all those substances, then I was going to continue to bow to the master of addiction. And I was not going to be available to bow and obey a new master, a higher power of my understanding. The program of recovery allowed me to accept and see this truth about my disability because I've been restored to sanity, so I don't test my personal control with these substances anymore. I don't defy and deny and resist my reality. I accept my disability, that I have this double whammy. I have an allergy of the body. There are certain substances I'm allergic to. That's just the way I'm wired. And I have an obsession of the mind, the greater aspect of my disease, which is dealt with by the steps. And that is the message that needs to be taught. And thank you, God, that uh, there are numbers of us on the line here more than happy and eager to teach that. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Uh, Christina. Hi, my name is Christina. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And um, I, every day is a daily reprieve. Every day I take each day as a gift from God. And um, I've had an amazing recovery that is, I think, unique actually to the program because I was very heavily addicted to sugar for probably about, I don't know, maybe seven years. And after abstaining from it for about three years completely, for three years completely abstaining from it, um, I slowly worked it back into my program and for today, I don't have any problems with sugar anymore, and I haven't for years, and I'll occasionally have something. If I don't have it, it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't make a difference. I have complete recovery from it, and I don't crave it, and I don't care whether I have it or not. It just doesn't matter to me anymore. And um, that is something that I've, I don't think I've ever heard in the program, so I, it's, like, amazing. But it's not like that with everything with me. You know, it's not. It's not. It's If I go to the casino and I play a game on the casino, I want to keep playing and keep playing. And I know I can't gamble. I know I can't drink. You know, um, God, you know, there's certain things in life that I do need to abstain from because um, I just know that they're no good for me and that I could become an addict. And I've never become an addict in them. You know, I've never become an alcoholic, but I do not drink because I don't want to play with liquor. But I did achieve complete recovery in this program through for, grueling, grueling food plans and just total dedication to the program. And I don't know, somehow sugar found its way back into my food plan, but it didn't matter anymore to me. Like, I'll go months without having anything, and maybe, you know, somebody will offer me something at a party, and, and you know, and I'll have a piece, and I'm satisfied, and I don't have anything again for weeks. And I just, I know this program is amazing. 
you know, that recovery that I had, you know, I, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that they've had that. So I know that anything is possible. Anything is possible. But I don't think that anybody should test themselves. What, what wound up happening with me is that I had suffered from a terrible illness and I became homeless and I lived in a homeless shelter. And while I was in the homeless shelter, I could no longer be on my um, food plan, you know, the, um, the three measured meals a day that I was on for three years. It was impossible. You know, first I was in the hospital and I had to eat hospital food. So I was exposed to sugar and carbohydrates again with, uh, you know, without my will because I was too sick to order a food plan and I had to... Um, I had nowhere to live, and when I moved into the homeless shelter, I had to eat with whatever they were serving. So those foods, you know, without my choice, got incorporated back into my life. There was no refrigerator. There was no microwave. I had no money. I was living on disability. We weren't allowed to eat in our rooms. I couldn't afford to eat out. I had to eat the food that was given to me. So God put me in a situation where he worked those foods back into my life and gave me sanity around them. And today I have sanity, and I've been in this program for 15 years, and I know miracles can happen. You know, but the thing is, I don't test myself. You know, I don't go out buying buying boxes of, 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 of junk food and keep them in my house. I don't play with any of those things. If I want to have something once in a while, I have it and I'm satisfied. And if it ever became a problem for me again, it would be out of my life very, very quickly. But I don't, but for today, I have complete recovery around it because I don't, I don't play. I do not play. My health is number one to me. And I am so grateful for the for the, the recovery that God gave me and that he forced me out of that food plant and said, hey, you don't need to be, you've sacrificed, you know, for three years, you know, living like this, bringing tiny little, you know, I was, I remember before I got ill, I was, I was in school and I would, and it was terrible. I had a back problem, but I would carry my lunch with me to school and heat it up and, and um, I went to a wedding and I brought my food with me to the wedding and I was so dedicated and so devoted um, to my food plan, and God blessed me because of it. So, you know, I just have to say, do whatever you have to do for where you are in, in this program, but know, know that it's, miracles can happen, and there is recovery out there, and, um, you know, whatever your limitations are, know them and respect them, and live like that a day at a time, relying only on God, because I believe that at heart, Every human being is an addict. As soon as we turn to something besides God to relieve us of emotional pain, we become an addict, whether it's food, drugs, drink, whatever it may be. And that's why I, I do abstain from everything. You know, like I said, occasionally I do enjoy food, but, you know, I'm thin. You know, my biggest problem right now is that people get jealous of me because I'm in, in such great shape. And, um, you know, and I have trouble with the jealousy because people don't know where I came from and how hard I fought to get where I am. You know, and, and the tears and the blood and the sweat and the pain and the suffering that I had to go through, you know, in order to get where I am today. And, um, you know, and the dedication of, of traveling into the city an hour at a time, an hour into the city on three trains to go to a meeting because I had no car. And, you know, traveling up to White Plains, New York, when I lived in the Bronx, taking the Metro North after taking a bus in, in freezing cold weather and the dedication that I had and the beautiful gift that I got because of it. And, you know, and that's because... You know, and today I'm sane around food, you know, because I never gave up. I never gave up. And I did everything that I had to do to get where I am today. And my, my, my sponsor lost her abstinence. And, you know, I had to go through, through um, a couple of different sponsors. And, you know, it was brutal. You know, it was brutal. But anyway, thank you, Kathy, for your service. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Christina. This is Shanna. This is Shanna. Uh, first, we'll hear from Monica. 
Monica. Good morning, everybody. Go ahead, Monica, then we'll get the others. Okay. Good mo- Thank you, Kathy. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. It did not satisfy us to be told that we could not control our drinking just because we were maladjusted to life, that we were in full flight from reality, or were outright mental defectives. These things were true to some extent. In fact, to a considerable extent with some of us. But we are sure that our bodies were sickened as well. And this is the whole point here of this paragraph. And thank God to Dr. Silkworth here. He really put himself out there by writing his original letter and saying, Hey, there is a physical component to this. This is a disease, a medical disease. These people have some type of allergy, abnormal reaction to alcohol, to their alcoholic foods when they ingest them. And because before this, you know, it was considered a moral issue, you know, that we were full flight from reality or we were outright mental defectives. It was, it was considered you were weak, you were... You were um, you know, just pull yourself up on, with your bootstraps there and do the right thing, you know? Hey, you got such a pretty face. Why don't you do the right thing and push away from the table? Well, you must be weak-willed. What's, what's wrong with you? And Dr. Silkworth comes along and says, whoa, whoa, everybody here. There's more to this. There's a lot more to this. There is a medical reason going on here. Yay! Yay! And also, he gave us a solution to that. He said... You have to put it down and you cannot pick it up. Absolutely not ever, ever again. Because you do have an abnormal reaction. You do have an allergy. And if you put it into your body after not having it, you're going to set off the phenomenon of craving and you are going to be on a roller coaster and who knows when you will stop. You will not be able to stop eating. So this is really, really important here. He's saying, look, there's a physical, medical portion to this, and it is a disease. And the alcoholics are saying, yeah, we were sure that our bodies were sickened as well. You know, ask any of us who are compulsive overeaters. And underneath there, we know that there's certain foods that we start eating we cannot stop. And he's saying, yes, that is very, very true. Because you have an allergy to it. And so, you know, we thank God that Dr. Silkworth worked for 50,000 alcoholics. And he observed this and he looked at this and he studied. And he must have prayed an awful lot and realized that there was an allergy going on here. And because we have that allergy, we have to identify our binge foods and we must put them down. Because if we put them in our mouth, it's going to make us eat and we cannot stop because we have that abnormal reaction. It causes us to crave. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Monica. Who else would like to share? I heard a few names. Kim. Kim. And who else? Devara. Devara. And was there another? Sharon. Sharon. Okay. Kim, go ahead. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. I want to be very, very clear, and I think the big book is very, very clear. It says here, in this statement, he confirms that we who have suffered alcoholic torture must believe 
that the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as his mind. In our belief, any picture of the alcoholic which leaves out this physical factor is incomplete. If you have the ability to have certain foods occasionally and not have a phenomenon of craving, you are not a compulsive overeater. This is a two-fold illness. It is an allergy body. It is of the obsession of the mind. If you are able to, on occasion, have a dessert, if that's your binge food, or on occasion, have a bowl of pasta, if that is your binge food, you are not a compulsive overeater. Because this is the diagnosis of this program. This is the diagnosis. You might be a hard eater. You might eat like me. But if you have the ability to pick it up and stop, you are not a compulsive overeater. We have to be real clear about this. I am not an alcoholic. I drank like an alcoholic through my 20s. A sufficient reason happened. I was driving down the highway the wrong way with a friend that almost killed us both. I've never drank again. That's not true. I drank five years later and had a beer and realized I don't like beer. If I went to AA and told people that you can get spiritual enough that you can occasionally have beer, if I could go to a happy hour and have beer and say I recovered enough that I can now have beer once in a while, I would kill alcoholics. I would. Because this illness is that serious, and we need to take it that serious. We have an allergy of the body. If we have this disease, we can never, ever, ever pick that up again. And if your reality is you can, congratulations, you're not a compulsive overeater. The steps may benefit you. However, this disease is really serious, and when, when the message is sent that this is purely a behavior, and by working the steps, we can then indulge in our binge foods, we are killing the true compulsive overeater. I feel so passionately about this. And this book is reinforcing it. In our belief, any picture of the alcoholic which leaves out the physical factor is incomplete. Recovered means the obsession is gone. I am not cured because the allergy of the body is there. It's like telling someone is allergic to strawberries and breaks out in a rash that if you get God-like enough, if you reunite with your higher power, you can eat strawberries and not break out in a rash. Twofold illness, we always have the allergy of the body. We can never get spiritual enough to ingest our binge foods and be okay. We will never be satisfied. If that is your truth, that you can eat those foods occasionally, you are not a compulsive overeater. If we don't get this, we are going to continue to have people dying in the rooms. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Devorah? Hi, this is Devorah, compulsive overeater, recovered in New Jersey. Thank you, God. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Thank you, Kathy. And um, I just can't get over, you know, the doctor um, at that in, that, in those years, to come out with this statement about the allergy of the body, um, it's so, um, you know, so different from what we even hear about nowadays. I remember seven years ago, I was pregnant, 
I was 47 years old. I went to a high-risk pregnancy doctor, and I told the doctor that he wanted me to take a test, you know, drinking the sugar to test my diabetes and to check my levels in um, my sugar levels. I was I was also uh, a diabetic at one point, losing the weight, got the sugars under control, thank God. So um, I told him I'm not going to drink that substance. Um, I can't. I told him I'm allergic to the sugar, and I don't. I can't take that chance. And he laughed about it. He laughed with the nurses about it, blah, blah. And he said, you know what? And he knew where I came from. I came to close, I, I was close to 300 pounds years before and had lost 150 pounds. So he saw a significant difference in my, in my body, you know, in myself. And he turned to the nurse and he said, you know what? Whatever she says, let her go along. It's fine. And um, she doesn't have to take the test. Um, and this was, you know, he was, he was not, he was, he didn't want to, he didn't, wasn't full-hearted about it, but he agreed with me somewhat. You know, he went along with it and I told him I'll eat a meal before I come and you could check my levels of sugar and he was okay. Um, and this is just very recently, it's only within the last seven years. So the doctors nowadays are really not, they don't know, they just don't know the medical viewpoint. Um, yes, they talk about it on, you can go online, you can see, you can hear it on the radio, you can see things are coming up, but, you know, not every doctor is, is 100% sure that sugar um, is, you know, that there is an allergy of the body, um, and that when, you know, we, we, we take these substances in, it just causes more and more cravings. Um, and, you know, I am one of these, you know, people who I can never understood. I was in program for many years before I was told about this allergy. And I was told to eliminate certain substances, but I wasn't told why, um, because I was having dieting with support all my life. You know, as a child, I went to so many doctors, and all the doctors said, no more pretzels, no more cookies, no more this, no more that, any of those things, you can't have it, because I needed to lose weight. But nobody ever told me why. And the same thing when I came into this program, I wasn't told why. I needed, I needed to give it up, but nobody ever told me, you know, look at the big book, read it in the big book. Only like two or three years later that I was in program that I was introduced to this chapter and the phenomenon of craving and the allergy of the body when I was told about this. So just so grateful for what we have here in these rooms and for this book. And um, I don't have to invent anything new. I know who I am today, you know. I'm the girl who my husband was in the hospital and he said to me he wanted some from some um, Chinese it's egg rolls. So I would go to my local... Um, you know, store and buy him a half a dozen of the egg rolls. By the time I got to the hospital to deliver it to him, it was gone. The 20 minutes in the car that it took me to get to his rehab, I had eaten them up because I could not stop. And he said to me, well, where did you get the egg rolls by any chance? And I said to him, oh, that they ran out. There were no more in the Chinese store. Could you imagine which Chinese restaurant do you know that doesn't have egg rolls? That was where this led me to, because the lying, the cheating, the dishonesty with myself, because that's what this disease did to me. And I'm so grateful today that I know who I am. I can't just have one. I can't have anything of that sort. And, um, and I am happier and freer because of that. Thank you, God. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Deborah. Sharon, you're going to be our last chair today. Thank you. It was actually Leah. Oh, hi, Kathy. Can so, you hear me? Yes, I can, Sharon. Okay, thank you so much. I'll keep it short. Um, I, too, just wanted to pick up on this um, 
where it says that um, in this statement, he confirms what we have, who have suffered alcoholic torture must believe, that the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as his mind. It did not satisfy, satisfy us to be told that we were, could not control our drinking just because we were maladjusted to lies that we were in full flight from reality and were outright mental detectives. These are true to, with some of us, but the bottom line is we had to realize that our bodies were sickened as well, and in our belief, any picture of the alcoholic which leaves out the physical factor is incomplete. And um, I truly am one of those that also fell into that maladjusted to life, full flight from reality, and outright mental defective. I grew up in a home where there was tremendous mental suffering and mental illness, and I wanted out of any kind of life that would experience suffering. I wanted a problem-free life. So I was living the lie in my mind with that uh, false belief, as well as not accepting that I did have this physical allergy. It was a disease. It wasn't based on my, my weak, sinful nature. And I just am so grateful and I will remember the date, July 2012, when I first got on this line and you were in this doctor's opinion, and it has made all the difference in the world in my life. And I thank God for that. I thank God for all of you who put yourself on the line every single day, recovered to give us this message of hope. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Sharon. Okay, thank you everyone who has shared on this paragraph. It's been a very rich discussion. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Marjorie, would you read a vision for you? This is Marjorie, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you, Mark.